It's been called the next big thing for India. Automakers, large and small, globally are pouring billions into the electric vehicle or EV market. There are many hurdles for the auto industry to overcome, but this is not stopping car companies from setting aggressive targets for EV sales. Investments in electric vehicles are surging. Additionally, governments around the world are passing regulations to encourage the adoption of EVs and discourage combustion engine vehicles. There seems to be an EV craze and so on. We the people were asking, is this the right choice for you? Could there be bumps in the road ahead? What is the future of electric vehicles in the Indian market? And the big story this week kicking this off was that a Pune-based EV charging infrastructure company installed two electric vehicle chargers for two-wheelers and four-wheelers at Kaza in the Spiti Valley. That's in Himachal Pradesh. It's now, they say, the world's highest EV charging station situated at an altitude of 3,800 meters and in a bid to promote a sustainable environment, two TVS iCube scooters were ridden by two women bikers from Manali to Leh and Pratiksha Das uh, was one of those women. She joins us. She's a motorcycle influencer from Mumbai, a mechanical engineer. She joins us now. So Pratiksha, firstly, wow. And tell us, so no problems at all, even while crossing that Kunzum Pass, it's an at an altitude, I think, of 4,500 meters, if not more. Oh, hi, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so, yeah, when I got uh, when I got the call for uh, for this ride, the very first thing I asked was, which bike am I riding? Is it a adventure bike or some heavy bike? But I got to know that it's an electric vehicle. So, the very first question was, will I be able to make it through these roads? Because this this is considered as... India's most toughest road because I've been through this road uh, in the past and uh, it is a very difficult route, I, I must say. And uh, I'm very much surprised with the performance of this like, EV because uh, when we were riding on the tough roads, it was, I was easily, I was uh, like, I was able to, uh, you know, overtake the car, cars and trucks on the way and also the, the tricky parts. We get, uh, we even get few river crossings and water crossings on our way. And um, this uh, vehicle has really surprised me with its performance. So you were basically trying to, or do you think you've busted the myth in your head at least that you can't cover long distances uh, in an electric vehicle? I mean, how many kilometers did you can cover? And the point, I guess the question is, how many times did you have to charge? So the total kilometers we covered was uh, around 200 kilometers. And with one charge, uh, when we go uphill, uh, we can only make uh, 50 to 60 kilometers because of the terrain and because of the uphill region. And uh, yeah, so in a day, we used to take one halt for, uh, for, for charge, for getting them charged. And yeah, and we made it to the top. We made it to Kaza's PP. <laughs> well, wow, really what an adventure and uh, I mean, thank you so much for joining us and sharing that uh, that uh, that crazy, like amazing story with us on We The People. Thanks thank so much. You. We also have um, Sulaja Ferodia Motwani. She's a chairperson of the FIKI National Electric Vehicle Committee and the CEO of uh, Kinetic Green. Thanks so much for your time. Kinetic Green began way back, I think, in 2015. So you're an early mover in this space. And you know, Ferodia, today it's hip to be in this EV sector. But I'm guessing it wasn't that way when you started. So, Sarah, as you rightly said, um, when we began Kinetic Green, it really wasn't very cool or very hip at all to be an electric vehicle player. And there were more non-believers than believers. You know, it was uh, now, of course, we're at a situation where 
um, the question is not if electric vehicles, it is when electric vehicles and how quickly electric vehicles. But when we began, it was more about what is an electric vehicle and why electric vehicle. And, you know, uh, there were many more, as I said, naysayers than uh, supporters. So from there, we have certainly come a long way, whether it's policy, technology, customer yeah. awareness, uh, customer preference. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it, from nascency, we are now getting into an acceleration phase. So certainly it's been an exciting journey and we are proud to be one of the pioneering companies. But let me ask you a question as the chairperson of uh, FICI, the National Electric Vehicle Committee now. Uh, are there enough support schemes available from the government? So I must say that the government of India um, has been extremely visionary about and very committed that electric vehicle is an important trend. It's a disruptive trend in the automotive sector. Automotive, yeah. automotive sector is one of the largest uh, producers and largest employers in India. Yeah. And also yeah. globally, um, I think it's a technology that's going to redefine the uh, world of automobiles. So I think our government has been very clear that not only from the point of view of fuel security, because uh, oil import is an important aspect that needs to be addressed. From the point of view of pollution or environment, because we have mm. you know, the top 25 most polluted cities, 20 are from India. So mm. it is also important to reduce pollution. But also from the point of view of technology leadership, uh, India must lead the curve. Must India must lead this trend. India must be on, up ahead on the learning curve. So I think uh, there is a clear clear directive, a clear support, clear push from the government, from all quarters of the government to promote electric vehicles as a better technology, as an important technology, and also as a socially desired technology for fuel security and for reducing pollution. Clear directive, but on the ground, are you getting the support you need? Yes, I can say that government has policy has been very clear. Uh, when we began in 2015, um, there was not at all uh, a very clear policy framework, uh, thought process was on nascent stage. But now in the last three years, uh, as you know, the new frame two policy has been announced where there's a clear directive or the clear thought process that India is a very unique market. Uh, it has a unique transportation system. system. So unlike the West, where the focus of electric cars, but if you look at US, it's all about Tesla and the other electric cars. But in India, the focus is on green mobility for the masses. So the government recognizes that in India, 85% people are using two-wheelers or going in three-wheelers or buses. And it is these sectors that are going to be electrified first so that the benefit of electric vehicles can reach the common man, common man the masses, mm. and can save on the fuel cost. And to this effect, there has been a lot of policy initiatives, whether it's lower GST, whether it's waiver of permits, whether it's the fame subsidy uh, directed towards the ultimate customers and now even the state but, governments are coming forward to support no, electric but isn't, mobility. Um, isn't uh, the low GST only for vehicles, not for batteries, for example? So GST on electric vehicles is 5%, vis-a-vis 28% for the polluting you know, uh, ICE uh, engine vehicles. So that's mm. a clear, uh, clear differentiator. But on batteries and other components, um, they're varying from 5% to 18 to 28 and there's a move to try and make everything, uh, let's say, consistent and reduce uh, GST even on the input uh, components to 5%, which is a requirement for the industry to avoid an inverted duty structure. But that's, you know, that's a WIP, I would say, work in process.
So a work in progress. All right. So work in progress, but you're confident the government will come through. So uh, the key words there, work in progress. And I think Vish uh, Ganti uh, can tell us a little more about that. He's a vice president of product management at Autogrid India. And Vish, you were all over Twitter for this picture. We can pull it up because you were that person who took your electric vehicle to the fifth floor to your kitchen. To charge it, I mean, man, you are seriously committed to EVs. Uh, how come? What's your story? I mean, who would go this far for it? Seems like a lot of trouble no. still. <laughs> no, it was pretty simple, right? I, I was out of the country for four months. I come back and my vehicle was completely drained out of like juice. So I had to figure out a way to charge this vehicle. And when I asked my apartment community to allow me to charge, they refused. So I just thought I don't have any other choice. And I just tried if this was going to fit into my elevator and it did. So I just took it up to my house and hooked it up. In the same spot, I'd hook up my uh, uh, microwave. And the funny story is that I've been in the uh, clean energy space for about 10 years. And even for a guy who's been in this space, convincing my apartment uh, and educating the marketplace and, and the general public about this was an uphill battle. Mm. There were people asking me, why can't you just take the battery from the vehicle and charge? You think about it, it's 20 kilos. Who wants to have, a, you know, like 20 kilo batteries lugging every morning, every day, up and down? And oh, by the way, most OEMs do not support batteries for happening today as it stands. So I had no other option but to just take it up. I had no idea this was going to go viral. But uh, it's pretty funny how it ended up overall. No, so that's why we have someone like you on the show. Because, I mean, it is a reality check, right? Are there bumps yeah. in the road? The adoption of EV seems to be really speeding up. But what are the bumps in the road ahead? What is it, according to you, do you think? You know, is there anything we need to red flag for our viewers? And you're the great person because you're both in the industry. You want it uh, to succeed. You want it to work. Uh, so tell us, I mean, what should people be uh, wary of? You know, as a, as a technologist I uh, and, and somebody who's worked in the U.S. for about 10 years, I used to always see things from a technical perspective. But this is one problem that's more behavioral than technical. You have to change the way people use these products, right? It's not the same thing as, you know, uh, going to a gas station and filling your gas. It's going to take 30 minutes at the most. Like, you know, the fastest chargers will charge in 30 or 40 minutes. But in home, it will take about six hours to charge this vehicle. So it's not, you know, it, you have to uh, work with the constraints of these kind of products and people have to understand that. And uh, in, in my case, you know, you'd be surprised. This issue was not about chargers or charging infrastructure. I had a charger that was provided to me by my vehicle OEM. The problem was I needed a 16 amp plug that was wired to my main meter and the apartment wouldn't permit it, right? So it's not even an issue about, uh, you know, infrastructure. It will happen over time. I'm very optimistic about this. Uh, you know, we've seen this globally play out, and and today I had a breakfast conversation with my friends' uh, family, and they're a small business in Hyderabad, and they're talking about electrifying their uh, fleet for the business, because its operational cost is about a fifth of what a typical uh, gasoline vehicle would cost. So there are, you know, if today, if, if you ask about where we stand in the EV, EV space and the progress we've made, the fact that I'm having a, 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 a simple conversation on a breakfast table with a family uh, about electric fleets tells you where we stand today, right? But there's a long way to go in educating the market, there's a, and it's a shared responsibility. You can easily pinpoint fingers at the utilities or the discoms or the OEMs and other people, but it's basically it has to come from top down. So we should ask ourselves, what is the government doing and what are the entities doing to educate the public? 
about these challenges and the roadblocks and influence with policy and mandates so that adoption can really take off to the next yeah, level. Sure. All right, let's try and bring in some of that. We have, uh, thanks, Vish, so much. Um, we have Vinkesh Gulati, President of the Federation of Auto Dealers Association, joining us. Siddharth Vinayak Patankar, a well-known face uh, on uh, NDTV, Editor-in-Chief of uh, Car and & Bike. And Abhishek Ranjan, Power Distribution Sector Expert from the Capital, the VP of BSES. But uh, let's try and get, we have uh, audience joining us on We The People. They have some questions. Let's take a few audience questions and then put that across to our panel of experts. Akansha Kumari is a student. Akansha, uh, you know, unmute and go ahead. What's your question? First of all, thank you so much for having me here. My question is, see, electric vehicles need to be recharged and must draw that electricity from somewhere else, right? If the electricity comes from a coal-burning power plant, the electric vehicle is still a part of pollution cycle, even though it does not emit greenhouse gases itself. So, are electric cars really more environment-friendly than gas-based cars? What do you have to say on this? Um, uh, Vinkesh Hulati, would you like to take that? You know, you're a good person, you're in the industry, and as our guest said right up front, this is a disruptive trend. So, I guess some parts of the auto sector may be benefit and others will have to take a, a step back. So, could you take that, that uh, question? Yeah, thanks for the interesting question. So, actually, yes, there are a lot of discussions going on. Is it actually uh, 100% green? So no doubt there are there are some other discussions also going on about the scrapping of the battery, which also create a bigger pollution. So yes, but uh, uh, it's better than the normal fuel vehicle. So it's it's uh, it's a comparison between what is good and what is uh, not good. So as of today, and and uh, no doubt the uh, electricity is generated by Q fuel, uh, the fossil and uh, coal and all. But there are processes of solar energy also, which you can term it as 100% green. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a situation today where we are shifting from, I'll not say polluting vehicles, but less polluting vehicles to no polluting vehicles. And these are some issues which we are still tackling. And uh, once the EV industry will have its full uh, maturity, these yeah. all will be solved. I All right. Think. So we have to look at the entire the carbon uh, impact from both electricity generation and EV related hardware manufacturing. Let's bring in Samyukta Thakur is another student. Samyukta, you have a question. And uh, Anshpreet Kaur. Go ahead. Hello. Thanks for having me here. So my question is, electric vehicles are made with an initiative to bring an environmental friendly way, but to uh, generate the electricity, uh, you need to charge them. But the coal power plant is also polluting the environment. So how can we make more environmental friendly charging? charging okay. Similar question. And Anshpreet Kaur? Good evening, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity. So my question is, would the increase in consumption of electric vehicles in the market affect the price of electricity? If so, then how would the common households deal with it or how would they be taken care of? I think that's a question that many people like the layman's probably thinking about. Uh, Abhishek Ranjan, uh, could you take that question? Yeah, sure, sure. Am I audible? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so very interesting question. The second one, is it going to increase your uh, electricity bill or not? In our country, uh, every state has a tiered structure, right? So you have a tiered tariff structure, retail tariff, determined by honorable commissions in the respective state electricity regulatory commissions. 
Now, if you are having electricity drawn from the same meter connection from EV, definitely you are going to jump up in the slab rate. Therefore, your bills might go up. Okay, this is a very common problem. Second problem is the slab rates are also very, very high. So, in a way, you are disincentivizing the charging of a vehicles at your workplace, at your home, etc. And you are driving them to public charging places. Again, which are very, very costly, time-consuming. It's out of the way. You are taking out the beauty. So, what is the fun over there. Fun is several um, commissions are trying out a separate EV tariff, separate EV metered tariff connection for uh, EV connection at home, workplaces, malls, public areas, semi-public areas, etc. So that will take care of, uh, it's not going to add up to your existing consumption. Number one. Okay. Number two, I know many commissions who are promoting, as you know, retail tariff is two part. One is fixed component, another is variable component. Some of the commissions are allowing no zero fixed component, okay? And the variable cost is also on a very, very low side. And third thing is, icing on the cake is TOD tariff, time of day tariff. So time of day tariff is also given an opportunity to charge your vehicles in the off-peak time at a fraction of the slab rate, which is already lower. Uh, I know of many distribution companies which are working on the first problem. The first problem talked by one of the students here. She is talking about well-to-wheel or well-to-tailpipe emissions, right? So she's talking about that story. So A, as you know, the government of India has talked about 450 gigawatt. That means you green the complete grid. So emission factor of the grid is going to come down. Okay, ton CO2 per kilowatt hour emissions, basically. Right now, as per the latest one, it is 0.79 ton CO2 per annum per kilowatt hour. Now, uh, so number one, that is one. Second thing is the TOD tariff is going to motivate you to charge the vehicle at the time of the day when the grid is more green. The concentration of the green power on the grid is more green. As you know, the green power of the wind and solar is having a must-run status in our country. Okay, so that is going to help. So smart charging comes in. Vishwa was talking about he had to take his scooty upstairs or something. So these things are being worked upon by various uh, utilities. And smart charging is going to solve that problem also. The well to tail okay. bike problem. All right, but I have to say, Siddharth Vinayak Patankar, you know, as a layperson, certain hours where you can smart charge, it just sounds, you know, a little, a little complicated. Now, if, yes, saving the environment is uh, a lifestyle choice and we want to embrace it, I certainly do, but the Indian consumer, let's be honest, likes value for money and they like convenience, right? Um, how do we encourage, because then I think the Indian government has said we put out an ambitious goal, I think by 20, 30, maybe, I'm not sure in the next decade or so, they want to reach a certain percentage of, is, how realistic is that right now? Right. Um, good evening, Sarah. You know, you're right, absolutely, that uh, at the end of the day, nobody's heart sort of bleed green, uh, bleeds green. It's, it's, it is about good value. Uh, it's about convenience. It's about adopting something that's going to make sense for you. Um, and let's not lose sight of that. There's nothing wrong with that too, right? So a uh, couple of things here that you have to sort of take into consideration. The first is that when you saw people switching to CNG, um, they did it willingly. They did it for purely the value that they saw from it. And then they were willing to stand in those long lines waiting to sort of top up CNG because there were a limited number of outlets which, uh, you know, actually retailed CNG. Now, that's a bad example perhaps because here we're talking about charging at the home or the office end. That's where basically it's just about adjusting your routine to it. So sounds easy, I know, but uh, it's as simple as, you know, when you know that you have a lot of heavy usage on your smartphone, you sort of plan accordingly, right? You have a Zoom meeting you need to do on your phone. You're going to make sure that it's topped up. You're going to make sure that it's charged. 
it's a similar thing that you're going to do with your vehicle. Uh, you will not want to sort of run your petrol tank too low. You're not going to take that risk of running dry on the road. So you are going to plan that, hey, I need to leave half an hour earlier because I need to top this up. It's a similar sort of thing. So yes, today it sounds daunting. But when it comes to some of the convenience that is going to be built into some of this adoption, all the OEMs are working towards it. The government infrastructure that is being promised is working towards it. And a lot of the private startups and the private sector companies, like let's say Tata Power, are also working towards it. What's the whole bottom line here? The bottom line is that you would charge your vehicle overnight. Yes, presumably that's when you'll have lower tariffs as well, because Again, a lot of this will get institutionalized. It's also going to be something that you'll do at your convenience and you won't be sort of held to ransom by it, which means all day when you're at, at work, you usually have a typically eight or nine hour work day. That vehicle could be charging outside. So which means you could look at charging infrastructure in the office space. Increasingly new commercial establishments are actually going ahead and doing the some of the necessary wiring, etc., so that it's plug and play when it does come in in a big way. A lot of the malls, etc., will do it too. But that's the point that, you know, instead of worrying about public infrastructure, really a buyer of a vehicle has to see if it is possible, unlike Vish's example, to have your, you know, RWA or your community uh, allow this sort of wiring at your own parking spot. Or indeed at the office, because once you've got one of those two ends covered, mm. let's not forget, most vehicles for the bulk of their life cycle are stationary. And that's when they can be charged. It has to be done at your convenience and not the other way around. And that's something people will get used to, Sarah. They will get used to. So then are there, adva- I mean, are there um, advantages for those who are, you know, the first movers who are taking a risk? Vinkesh Golati, is the government doing anything to encourage uh, people, because right now it does seem a little bit, I mean, everybody doesn't adjust as well to change. Are there subsidies, etc.? It seems like, I think I read somewhere the subsidies are only for vehicles that are under 15 lakh rupees, etc. So basically, there are a lot of subsidies and uh, the central has come up with uh, good subsidies and lately all these states are coming up with their subsidies. So uh, FAME 2 had been working on the overall uh, this EV subsidies. So this all started in 2013 with this National Electric Mobility Mission, 20, uh, which uh, government central government came in. And uh, but no doubt, with even after eight years, we are just at what below one percent of vehicle being registered of electric vehicle. But what I see today is things are uh, increasing in a, in a big space. So if I talk about two wheelers. August did some 15,000 two-wheelers, which was the ever highest. And I'm expecting this to go further with Ola and all. Mm. And uh, we should consider one thing all that right. the consumer does get benefit by shifting to electric vehicle, seeing the price, considering the price of fuel now. Of course, of course. That's not lost on anyone. And we have about a minute left. So, Siddharth, I just want you to sum this up for us. What would you say to those, anyone who is perhaps considering this but nervous that, you know, this is a trend, it won't sustain, this is India, you never know, the government support, will it peter out, etc. Closing words to you. All right. So very quickly to consider just to say two or three things. The first thing is I agree with what everybody has been saying, that it is now not a matter of if it is when, what Sula just said at the start. I completely endorse that. And it's going to happen a lot sooner than you actually might think. So it's not something that's in the far, far future. It's going to happen sooner. Uh, the other good news is that all the vehicles that we're talking about, they're not sort of these experimental, strange, you know, not nice to ride or drive. They're actually really competent, really fun to ride. And they're also built in in terms of safety and a lot of the warranties on the 
battery front, something else a lot of people will worry about. Very often you'd find the warranty on the battery is actually longer than the vehicle itself. And the third part is, like I said, this is about your usage pattern. Do not think about that one-off trip you're going to be making out of town where you would need, mm. you know, a really long distance to be covered. Think about your daily routine and you might actually find that it's actually not such an inconvenient idea so long as you can install that one slow charger at your home or at your office, something that usually comes free bundled with the vehicle in question, Sarah. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you all. That's all we have time for tonight. But thank you for joining us and clarifying a lot of these doubts. I'm sure that uh, our audience uh, have had. Thank you all for joining us on We The People. Bye-bye.